Praise the Lord. Let's put our hands together one more time for the Lord. Let's give Him glory in this place. It is all about Him. It's, it's not about us. It's, it's not about, you know, the fact that we're out here on a Sunday. It's about Him. Amen? Praise God. <laughs> He's number one. Amen? And does your pastor have vision or what? And if he doesn't, he's got foam fingers, which is great, too. It's everything about him is so cool. So, praise God. Well, I'd like to invite you tonight, today, this morning. <laughs> we have our services in two in the afternoon, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of out of, uh, out of place here. But uh, it is an honor to be here. Why don't you stand with me this morning as we go to the Word of the Lord. And... Uh, I'm going to be directing your attention to uh, the book of Philippians, uh, chapter 2. And um, before we begin, I just want to say what a great thing it is to stand in the lighthouse. A place of hope, a place of clear direction. Amen? Clear direction. Right? In a place of hope, in the darkest of life, in the darkest of days, there's a beacon of hope that shines bright, and, and it is the lighthouse. And we're grateful that there's a lighthouse in West Hartford that this world can look to and can have direction and guidance in their life. Amen? I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for you. Well, listen, I appreciate all the accolades for the Chris. Honestly, I don't, I love your pastor and his wife. They're dear friends of ours. And uh, we stand together. And we are two of the closest churches in the state of Connecticut. And we share a field. They're on one side of the fence geographically. We're on the other side of the fence geographically. But in the eyes of God, there is no fence. Amen. It's all one great kingdom. Amen. And we, we come together and we serve that kingdom together. Praise God. So, in light of all the accolades of Chris, I am just a pastor. And I have a pastor's heart. And I'm going to speak to you today from a pastor's perspective. Is that okay? And uh, I know that your pastor trusts me. And I trust him. So, I'm just going to give you what I feel that the Lord has given to me. When I go out to speak, I don't approach the pulpit as something I'm not. Okay, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a harvester. Um, but if God wants to use me in that capacity, I will be that thing for God. But God has given me a word. And I'm going to be as apostolic in this word as I possibly can today. Which means that I'm going to tell you the way it is. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that? you want to hear how it is? Say what it is, Brother Jim. What it is. Amen. In Philippians 2 and 12, it says, Wherefore, my beloved, this is Paul addressing the church of Philippi, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, not only when I'm there, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do for his good 
pleasure. So do all things without murmuring and disputing that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and a perverse nation among, ready for this, whom ye shine as a light in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, and that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain, yea, And if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and I rejoice with you all for the same cause. Also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Amen? Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to be here today in the Lighthouse. So thankful, Lord, to stand inside the harvest field of West Hartford. We're asking you today, Lord, in this place that you would take the word that you have established and that you would make it alive in our life and that you would challenge our life to go to the next place in our faith. That today would not just be another gathering together of those of like faith, but that today your word would challenge us to go beyond the walls of faith and take this message to those who do not know who you are pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Some of you know who I am, and some of you are just going to really get to know me. Today I'd like to preach to you, or speak to you, or challenge you. That's what I like to do. I like to challenge you. From this thought, live it out loud. Say it with me. Live it out loud. We are a church that is called to live this gospel out loud. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you know where I came from to where I am today, you would be floored as to what God can do with a life. And I'm not ashamed to tell people about what God has done. I love sharing other people's stories more than I like sharing my own. Today as we get into this message this morning. It's it's an expository journey through the passage of Scripture that Paul has given to the church of Philippi. And in this, he is encouraging spiritual, mature Christians to keep going. Because sometimes we get to challenges that slow us down. And Paul was aware of this, and he said, we've got to keep going. And if there's Any time that we as a church need to keep moving forward, it's today and it's and it's now and it's it's in the day that we're living in and the community that we're in. So Paul is teaching these followers on how to be successful in their journey and the road that is before them. You see, Paul recognizes that times are changing and that in order for this to work out and for for the work of God to grow and to survive, it's going to take, are you ready, strong believers to not only have faith, but for them to live their faith 
out loud. Philippians 2, the, our text that we've been reading. I'm going to just take a couple of excerpts. and So if you're going to hop on scriptures, you just follow along. If, I'll, I'll try to give you them out there, all right? I gave you a list of them, I know, but I'm going to jump around a little bit. In our opening scripture, says, Dear friends, he's addressing fellow believers. He's saying, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions. And it's good for us to be obedient to the leadership in our life. When your pastor's away this weekend, and, and, and I know that he's here every week pouring into you the truths of the Word of God, and, and you need to follow his teaching, and you need to follow his guidance, his spiritual guidance, because he is the shepherd that is over you. And in this case, Paul was that very thing to the people in Philippi. Okay? And he was saying, my friends, my friends, you, you followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am gone doing other things for the kingdom, you have continued to do the same thing. And that is even more important. You see, there's got to come a time and a level of maturity in our Christian walk where we don't need to be handheld anymore. But we need to be able to take our faith and live it out loud and express it above and beyond it. It's where our faith begins to speak for itself that the true test and the measurement of our growth and maturity begins to manifest itself in a way that gives God glory. Amen? And that's what we're designed for. We're designed to bring glory to God for who He is. And what he's done. Amen? And you know, he did the same thing when he spoke to the church, even in Ephesus. And in Ephesians 6 and 10 through 11, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He's referring to the Holy Ghost. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He's, he's telling them there is going to come something in your journey, where you are need to be prepared and you need to be strong. So what I've been giving you, what I've been teaching you, you cannot just take it home and hang it in the closet, but you need to have it accessible and ready that you can put it on when those times of trial come your way. You may live in an environment where you need to wear it all the time. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you need to put on your faith in a way that it will become the very thing that carries you through the trials that you will face. Amen. This, uh, this reminds me of that forever true statement that is made. Is if you don't stand for something, that you will fall for everything. Isn't that the truth? If we don't take a stand, if we don't have a standard, if we don't, if we don't put our flag on the ground and say, this is the ground that God has given me, we will let anything in our life influence us. So we can't quit as a church. Because if we quit, we will never get to where we're going. Did you hear what I'm saying? If you quit, you'll never get there. And as a church, we can't turn back. Because if you turn back, all that you will ever know is what you know. And, 
And we can't stop because if we stop, everything ends. So to think to ourselves as the church of the living God, we can at times face things that will challenge us and create resistance in our life. Have you ever faced resistance before? You have, haven't you? You're like, I don't understand why there is so much pressure on me to to do this and to live this way, and, and I don't understand why it's coming down on me. Isn't it supposed to be all glitter and sunshine? We have at times painted that picture in our mind, right? That everything is unicorns and rainbows. You know, I live, we just, we get the Holy Ghost and all of a sudden we skip everywhere. And our our clothes never need to be cleaned. We think that we're living back in the garden. Everything's for us and prepared for us. Well, listen, that will one day come because that's the promise. But we're not there yet. And God is telling us there is going to be resistance. But we have to stand strong in our faith and allow our faith to speak on behalf of who we are living for so we can't quit, but we can't turn back, and we can't stop. Paul said we must work harder than ever to show the results of our salvation by obeying God in a deep reverence of fear. Not fear in the sense that you're afraid, but fear in the sense of reverence and respect for God. When people see you on the streets, they should see God living inside of you. And they should see the power of your salvation radiating through who you are and want to be so curious to ask you the question, what has happened to you? What has changed your life? 2 Timothy 2 and 15 tells us the basis of our understanding is to study. Now, study just doesn't mean to read a book. A lot of people think that when you are you reading this scripture here, say, to study, oh, great, school. I study a lot of things. I study people. I'm that crazy dude sitting at the mall. Walking by, I got my Starbucks in my hand. Did you look at that? Would you just look at that? You knew that, didn't you? You were going to go there. Would you just look at that? And you, we study things. I study, sure, I study the Scripture, and I, and I, and I love theology. It's, it, because the more my spirit becomes stronger, the more I desire the Word of God. Amen? But we can't just bury our noses inside the pages of the Bible only. We need to look around because the effects of what we're learning from the Bible won't take any effect in the world unless we communicate it to the world. Right? We've got to pull our nose and our eyes out of the book every once in a while, let our faith be anchored in the book, right, and take this message outside of the book to people who have never heard the book. Amen? Come on. So I study all kinds of things. I study business models. That's what I do for a living. In my job, 
I go to smaller companies that are failing and they're not able to succeed for some reason, one reason or another. And I go in and I analyze their business. And I look at their weak spots and I look at their strengths and I, I try to devise a method of recovery for them so that they become successful again. So I'm always taking the opportunity to study and to analyze. So it brings me back to the Scripture. It makes the Scripture so much more real to me that says study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. You see, we can't be ashamed of what we do. And the only way that we'll overcome that nervousness and, and, the, and the, the anxiety that we face in not knowing something is to learn it and to study it and to know it so that we can one day communicate it, that we can rightly divide it, that we can execute it and share it with people so that they will understand and that you will lead them to the same path and the same journey of faith. The truth of the times tells us that there is no time anymore for us to play church. Now that's been, that's, that's been said for years. Well, we can't play church. And you know what the truth of the matter is? is We can't play church. Sure, we can come here on Sundays and we can put on our Sunday best. And I can part my hair down the middle and look super fly when I come inside. I can wear an Armani suit and ballet loafers. Some of y'all looking at me like, I have no idea what that is. Study to show yourself approved. I can do all of that. And just like Jesus said of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, that they're full inside of dead men's bones. I don't want to be full of dead men's bones. I want the living God that lives inside of me to radiate through me. And I'm going to come to church. I'm going to come to the environment of faith. And I am going to worship God. I'm not just going to play church. I'm going to be the church. Amen? I don't have time to play church. Play church means you're acting. But when you are the church, you're living. Amen? I'm challenging you today as a congregation. There's no time to play church anymore. But today is the day of salvation. Today, the soul of our life is required of us. So we need to set aside the games that we want to play with God. And we need to be the church of the living God. Amen? We need to take spiritual events in life as something that, that is very serious and not a game. And eternity is no joke. And, and this Sunday morning is no matinee. But it's, it's real life. It's, it's the real story. It's the, it's the time that God has given us so that we can fulfill our purpose. We didn't just drag ourselves out of bed this morning. So that we can say, hey, I'm going to go to my little social club. We came here because God is here with us today. Amen? He is in this place. And you can come and you can receive from Him what He has for you. Or you can be entertained. And that entertainment, just like any show or movie or anything that we go to, will come to an end. But the story that God has for your life will live on to and through eternity. Amen.
God requires that we grow in our purpose. We cannot be content to come here and just fuel up every week. We have to take what we're doing and we have to live it out loud. We have to grow in our purpose. And just getting saved is not enough. Well, it may be for you. It may be enough for you just to be saved and, and to be able to tell somebody, yeah, you know, I've, uh, you know, I've done all that I need to do and I've got my ticket on the glory train and, and when Jesus comes, I'm, I'm going to be in the front seat right next to the driver. But you see, it's not enough for God. It's not enough for God. It may be enough for you, but it's not enough for God. Today, our salvation comes with responsibility. A responsibility to live our faith, live our life out loud. I told the, I told the folks at the sound this morning, I said, well, you know, the mute button's on here. I said, we'll probably need that because I, my volume is broken at maximum. And, uh, and uh, I, I try to carry that through my whole life and, in, uh, you know, in, in where I go and who I come in contact with and, and where I am, I, I don't, I'm not ashamed of what God has done for me. And you shouldn't be ashamed of, of what God is doing for you in your life. You should, you should be very proud of, of being part of the family of God. And, and you shouldn't be ashamed to tell people wherever you go about the goodness of what God has done. We are the hands and the feet and the, and the eyes and the ears and we are the mouthpiece of God in this world today. He came and, and for 33 years set the example of what we should be. But when He left in the physical form, He knew the frailty of humanity and, and He said, it's okay I'm going to give this responsibility to you. But I will not leave you. I may not be here in the physical sense, but I will be in you. And I will give you the power not only to do what you have seen and understood me to do, but you will do greater things. It is through our life and our living that this world will be reminded of a Savior's love. And deliverance. We can never become satisfied with being part of a local church only when our call is to be a global voice of truth. We can never be satisfied. It is so good that we have one another. It is so good that when I'm going through a difficult time, I can pick the phone up and I can say, hey, you know what? I'm facing one of those times. I don't understand it. Because my mind can't process it. But I'm facing something in my life right now. And I'm not for sure what the next step is. Will you pray with me? Will you give me a word of encouragement? Will you fulfill your purpose in my challenging time? You see, I'm going to talk about that a little bit more, but we need each other. We need each other to keep this global voice alive. Matthew 5 and 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. 
I'd like to put that on a t-shirt and wear it. Back to our opening scripture. In Philippians it says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Ephesians 2 and 10 tells us, For we are His workmanship, crafted in Jesus Christ unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. If we're not walking in our faith, if we are not sharing our faith and our living to those that we come in contact with, we are not fulfilling the purpose of the church in the world today. The world and its voice is rising. The things of this world are becoming over-speaking the church in the voice of God's kingdom. So, Paul calls to the church of Philippi, be confident. In Philippians 1 and 6, be confident of this very thing, that He, which hath begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day that He comes, the day of Christ. Amen? It's our job to do what we are called to do. It is our job to be the purpose of the kingdom. And we as a group of believers need to come together and understand that the voice of God will not be heard if it is not heard through our life. Now, Brother Jim, when I read through these passages, it sounds so easy to do. You know, you're right. You know, I I hear these words and I I read them on the screen or I read them in my Bible and and you're right. It's it's right there in the Word of God. But at times in life we feel ill-equipped to do the job. I get it. I get it. I do, really. So easier sometimes just to say, oh, no, not me, God. Who am I? I'm just, I'm just, you know, row three and seat five. That's my seat. That's where I sit. That's where I absorb. I come every week. I'm faithful. You know, when a sponge absorbs, it takes in a lot. But if it's not squeezed out, it just sits there and dries up and becomes hard and crusty. I don't want to be no hard, crusty Christian. I'm already dealing with fat and bald. Hard and crusty would be difficult. God, it's not my strong suit. You just don't know. I can't get up there in front of people, and I just can't. I just can't. Uh, I just can't really do it. I, you know, we we have so many excuses, and we complain about how we're ill-equipped to do it. But I'm telling you, God has given us everything that we need in His Spirit 
to do and to accomplish the will of God in your life. I just turned 50. And it wasn't only until 30 years ago I found the Lord. So the first 20 years of my life, in its development stage, and I was trying everything, trying to find what my purpose was, right? But then I found it, and uh, I began to add to it and to, to grow it and, and to develop it. And in your life, you will need to do the same thing. Somebody asked, someone told me the other day how much they loved your pastor's wife, Miss Alyssa. Y'all love your pastor's wife? Is she a hot ticket or what? I hope you're recording this, Chris. Are you recording this? Good. Someone said to me, you know, I just, I look at her life and I, I just look at her, her walk of faith and I just look at, at the way that she lives for God. And I just don't understand. I just, I just, I want that for me. But see, they wanted it. They want it overnight. She's going to kill me. First time I ever met Miss Alyssa, she was eight months pregnant with Malachi. She came walking out of her grandma's house. You want to come demonstrate for me? No, okay. She came walking out. She came walking out of her grandmother's house. You know, she had a bomber jacket on, and she was all hooked up. She's looking all ghetto-licious. And we were picking her up for church, and she was hard, and she was cold, and she was hurt. She felt judged. But look and see what the Lord has done. Because that woman today is a warrior. And she has no problem living it out loud. So you want to know how it is and what it takes? It takes long-term commitment. Your faith, your long-term faith commitment starts when you make up your mind that you're going to allow God to be seen in your life. Amen? She didn't have excuses anymore. She got to a point in her life where she had nothing. And we watched that girl sacrifice and flourish and grow into an amazing person, amazing warrior for the kingdom. Paul had seen the struggle in the church of Philippi. And he began to speak to them with a pastor's heart. And he said, do everything without arguing and complaining. Easier said than done. You know, it's this, it was the same then. There's nothing new under the sun, right? Everybody hates a complainer, right? 
You ever get those people that, you know, you they, you see them walking towards you, and you're kind of like, please let them go, please let them go, please let them go, please let them go. You you probably hadn't prayed that hard in months, but you're like, God, let them pass by. Oh, I don't want to hear it, God. And because you hadn't prayed, God lets them walk right over to you and start talking to you. But we can't be complainers. We can't. What glory does God get in us complaining about everything that is wrong? He knows that things are wrong. He knows that sin has reigned in this place that we live in. He knows the facts. He doesn't need us reminding everybody about them. He wants us to remind him about him. The one who has overcome it all, but has been so quickly forgotten because we are consumed with what we see in our flesh, but don't identify in our spirit. In verse 15 of our opening text, it says, so that no one can criticize you. People are watching your life. People are watching you here in the church, in your family. You begin to walk this walk of faith, and they're all like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lost your temper again. Where that Jesus now? You hit your finger with the proverbial hammer. People are watching us. The question today is, who are they going to see? Are they going to see God in you? Are you going to react in a manner that is going to forward your purpose? Or are you going to act in a manner that causes your character to be compromised? He goes on to say, live clean and innocent lives as children of God. Put the principles of Christian living to action in your life. Don't just, don't just say, well, that just sounds good. Oh, I like that. That's, that's amazing. And that's inc- Do you see that? I got goosebumps. Who's ever had anybody do something wrong to them? Anybody? Come on, anyone? You still talk to them today? Can you still love them today? Because the Bible tells us that we need to pray for those who despitefully use us. That's a tough one. But you don't understand. We had a relative one time that Stole my wife's identity. A relative. It's very hard to love that person. Twice. It is a compliment. Good credit score. <laughs> you know how hard that is? But you see, if we don't do it, we're not, come on. Who's going to do it? But we're not fulfilling our purpose. 
Our purpose says that we have to be an example of the Word of God living in the world today. Well, the Word tells us that not only are we supposed to pray for them, we're supposed to love them. But you stole my wife. Come on, I'm going to bring it right where it lives. You know, it's it's true. You you stole my retirement from me. You spent it all. I can't get it back. You still love him? He hung on a cross and looked at the men that just drove nails to him and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Can we do that? <laughs> it's like a sound of a factory going right now. <laughs> every thought, every wrong person, everything that ever happened to you, you're just running through your mind right now and you're thinking to yourself, can I do this? At one time in my life, this scripture thought became so real to me that I began to pick up the phone and call people that I haven't talked to in years and say, you know what? I just want to be straight with you. Something happened a while ago that didn't set well with me. But I've learned a very valuable principle in life. And despite everything that happened, I want you to know I have no hard feelings. I want you to know but if you ever need me, I'll be here for you. To that person, I'm screaming my faith. You can do that in your life if you allow the Word of God and the principles to, as Paul says, shine like bright lights in a world of crooked and perverse. We are the voice of God in the world for the time that we have been given. I don't know how much longer God is going to allow me to live on this earth, but I have been given, and you have been given a space of time in God's great creation to live out your faith with a loud and boisterous voice of truth in the way that you live. In the things that you say. We have been given a space of time. What is your space of time going to say? We live in a world that we compete against every single day. Just recently, I read an article, and the title of the article was Story Time with a Drag Queen. Story time for the drag queen. They would come in dressed up to children's classrooms in full drag and sit and read to them a promoted book called Neither. 
breaking down gender identity. Why? Because this world gives us a platform to speak. And sin knows that if they steal the platform before we get the chance to share God to this world, they have us. And the church has to stop living quietly. Where is the voice of the church today? Is it hidden under a bushel of insecurity and weak believers? Or can we stand up for what is right and what is true and what God has ordained from the very beginning of time? Or will we allow the influence of this world to steal the platform of our purpose? We have to stand up as a church. We, the Bible says in verse 16, hold firmly to the word of life that on the day of Christ's return it will be seen. But Christians, Christians, we get saved and and that's where it stops. We get selfish about salvation and, and we get careless about covenant. We spend all of our time consumed with the fact that we're saved, we're saved, we're saved. But before redemption was required, relationship had been established in the garden. God is looking for you to be in covenant relationship with Him. It goes far beyond our salvation. Our salvation is just a means of the restoration of our purpose in God. We need to get back to a relationship with Him. We need to get to a place with Him where He radiates through our life. That we spend so much time with Him. And we spend so much time consuming who He is. That we can't even help ourselves when opportunities arise. My wife shared with me just this morning, on the way here, Starbucks in my hand. Very spiritual moment. She shared with me, Brother Arnold, a little video clip that came out this morning. And uh, he was talking about the ministry of mistakes. Did you see it? Anyone see it? The ministry of mistakes. When you're sitting in a restaurant or you're sitting, you're out and about, and you feel an impression, that's not just you thinking. That's God speaking to you about something. And there was a little boy, and that little boy, and correct me if I'm wrong, okay? That little boy, he didn't get up and go speak to him when God told him to. Brother Arnold. And he left. And he said for weeks, three months, for three months, he fought. God, if I could just get in the presence of that young man one more time. Purpose can slip through our fingers if we are not sensitive to what God is wanting us to do in our life. God is putting us in places where we can make a difference. You, oh, Heavenly Father, we cannot get hung up at salvation. We must must proceed forward in our covenant with Him. Paul said, I would be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like liquid offering unto God. 
it is a fact that it is easier for us to bail out than to stick it out. I'm here today to remind you that if your commitment to the cause that keeps your voice heard in the light of sin, we have to be committed to the cause. Paul told him, he says, just like your faithful servant is an offering to God, your service, your sacrifice is an offering. An offering will cost us something. And I want you to all, he said, Paul said, I want you all to share in that joy. The joy of the suffering. The joy of the sacrifice. We are never designed to go it alone in the journey. God created two in the garden. He sent out two in missionary form. And and He said that He instructs us to not forsake the assemblies of ourselves together. This is one of the ways that we receive strength that we need to live out loud is to know that we're not going this journey alone. Amen? There is nothing that we can accomplish, can't accomplish when we stand united in one voice. So where can you live it out loud? Where can you live it out loud? Let's start at home. Let's be the voice of peace and not war. Let's sow love and not hate. Let's respond with kindness and not resentment and bitterness. You know, we're the most comfortable in our home. And the people that surround us and the environment that we're in, it's very easy for us to take advantage of. Because we know what the long-term response to things will be. It always works itself out. But when you get stuck with a knife, you bleed. And it hurts. Sure, it may heal. But who wants to get stuck with a knife over and over again? Don't let that happen in your home. Don't let that be part of your living. Be the voice of peace and not war. Show love and not hate. Respond with kindness. At work, change the atmosphere. Who, me? Yes, you. If you won't change the atmosphere, where will it change? I run a company in New Britain. I get in early. Open my Bible. Listen to a little blog every morning on my phone. People walking in, hey boss, hey boss. Sitting there going, what's going on? Hey, what you listen to? Oh, I'm listening to a video, boss. Yeah, it's it's really helps me to clear my head in the morning and focus on, you know, what's going to come in front of me every day, give me a little bit of a challenge. You should try it. It's good. You've got to change the atmosphere. Take the challenge as a ministry opportunity. Don't be just a slob doing your job. Choo-choo. Oh, man, seven hours, 42 minutes. It's going to be a long one. Or walk in and say, God, this is the day you've made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. 
today set my course before these people. Let me be a voice of hope to them. Let me be the opportunity. Just last week, one of my employees walked into my office and said, Hey, I really think I need to talk to you about this whole church thing. Unsolicited. I said, listen, man, I love you. I'm glad that you're, you're looking for that. Let's grab a cup of coffee at Starbucks after. Told you, spiritual, right? So, so we went to Starbucks. I got him hooked up. Him and his family are going to their, a church closer to their home today for the first time. Okay? How do you do it? You change the atmosphere, and you take your daily opportunities and routines as a challenge for ministry. Amen? Pray a spirit of peace and prosperity in your business. You know, don't be just there for a paycheck. Say, God, today, lay your hand on the wall, and it doesn't matter where it is. Lay it on a car if you work in a vehicle. Say, God, bless this company today. So it can bless my family and it can bless the kingdom as I can give more to opportunities of ministry that are out there. God, give me... See, you've got to change the way you approach your faith. You need to change the way that you address your living in faith every single day. Every minute you need to rise to the challenge of living a good Christian life. I had an employee four or five years ago that really hated me. You ever been in a place where somebody hates you? Yeah, but I knew he loved trivia and he was he was curious. And I said, God, I'm going to defeat this spirit. And I took a yellow sticky note and I wrote a clue on it. And he didn't know who did it. And I stuck it on his computer monitor in his office when he wasn't there. And he came in and went, what is that? The curiosity went, right? I said, hmm, he's got a clue. And the clue took him to the next day where he found another sticking note. And you could hear him in his office, I don't know who's doing this, but there's sticky notes everywhere. So after three or four days, he had got to all of them, and it led into a box. Open the box, and there's a little mirror inside. And it says, You are treasure. And your value is greater than rubies. I love working with you, Jen. I have never had a problem with the guy again. But you have to be and use and acknowledge every opportunity. You know, it doesn't do us any good to walk up to him and say, Hey, are you saved? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Yeah, it worked for Paul, okay? I mean, because it was going all the way through the country at that time, okay? But, but you can't just get up and say, well, you know, you're going to hell if you don't get saved. The person's looking at you going. Now, I'm not saying we don't have a responsibility to communicate the gospel to people. We do. That's our job. But we can't do it in a demonstrative way that's going to push them away. Jesus came in, he led with love, right? He led with love and with concern, and, and he shared with them. That's right, my wife just said, they went from house to house breaking bread. You want to win somebody? Invite them over for dinner. Make a small investment in a friend. And sit at the table with them and say, hey man, you know what, it's really great to have you over here. Now I think about doing this all the time, 
And I think it'd be, I think, you know, even if it happened at a restaurant, we took a couple out last night to a restaurant. We knew that they were going through a hard time. They don't even go to our church. Honestly, they're pastors in another church in our town. But there's some things going on in their church, and they're broken right now. And my wife and I said, we need to, we need to make sure that they know that even though that we're not the same denomination, that there's a kingdom of believers out there that walk with them. And then they are not alone. Because there may come a day, putting all doctrine aside, there may come a day when they knock on our front door and say, listen, we need some help right now. But how would they know that there's an opportunity if we didn't first live our faith out loud? Amen? Amen. Come on. Let's give God glory. Amen. We need to, and I'm coming to a close, we need to leave, we need to live our life among believers. We are designed to edify and strengthen one another. You can't come to church and have aught against your brother. Now I'm going to be a pastor. Okay? You can't sit in the same row, five seats apart, friend or married, where you all just had intense fellowship on the way to church, and sit with bitterness in your heart against one another. You can't do it. You're not designed to do that. You need to rise above that. We're here to edify one another. I came today with a spirit to challenge you to take your faith to a whole new place. You may not be doing this now, but I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to challenge you. I'm here to take you to another place and let you know that it can be done. Where else in our community? The church was never a building or an institution. And that's what we've made it. We're guilty. The church of the living God is a family, and it's a community. And we need to be able to take this truth outside of these walls. Nothing is ever good in a box. Man, I get Amazon delivery at the house every week. Whether it's a bubble wrap or a box, man, the first thing we want to do is... It's Christmas every day at our house. We want to know what's inside. We know. We bought it. We're like, I wonder if the thing I bought yesterday or today is coming before the other thing. But let's just rip it open to see what it is anyways. And we get so excited about it. But we don't leave it in the box. We take it out. We use it. You know, and we love it. We tell everybody about it. We just got these little, you know, silicone things that go in the Instapot. You ever seen those? Who has an Instapot in here? Now you contend and send the great stuff bombs. Uh, Instapot. Okay? Everyone say Instapot. You bought a spiritualist Starbucks, you need to go get one. Okay? It, it, it makes everything, like, really fast. But you got these silicone things, right? Who likes Starbucks? Oh, I do. Okay. Um, they make these little great little egg bites. Has anyone ever had them before? Come on now. Be truthful. Shall you all continue in sin? They are good. All right, I love them so much, but they, they cost me, my coffee and my egg bites cost me $7.21 every single day. And my wife says, shall you continue in sin? 
So we're trying to cut our expenses. So she bought this silicone thing, and you make the egg bites yourself, and you put them in the Instapot, right? Right? Listen, it is the talk of every phone conversation that we have right now. Oh, you have got to get one of these little silicone inserts. Can you imagine if our life was like that with Jesus? Well, I don't know. Maybe they'd be offended if I said something. No. If you're really excited about something, it's really a part of what you love. You're going to share that. You're going to take that outside of the box, and you're going to share it. Your community, West Hartford, needs to know that the light at the lighthouse isn't just a big facade, but behind it is a lot of power, pushing out truth and pushing out hope, and that comes from you. We need to take what we get here and we bring it out into the town. We need to make an impact in West Hartford, I'm making an impact in Newington, and we're going to get out there. We need to see the. We need to see everything that we do as a ministry field. Let your salvation be lived out loud, not obnoxious, but loud. Examples of genuine love and involvement in civic and civil groups. Don't let your voice of uh, of distraction be an agenda. Have opportunities be everything. Let me tell you. We came two and a half years ago to Newington. I went to a chamber member, chamber of commerce. Everyone kind of goes, oh, man, with chamber of commerce. I'm on the board of directors now. Every single Wednesday morning, I'm in a leadership group where I have breakfast with the mayor, selectmen in town, not selectmen, no, Congre- uh, senator, uh, congressmen in town, Almost 50 business leaders in the community. I'm the only pastor there. Two years ago, Sister Hansen came to our church and said, in a very short period of time, five men of prominence will call you pastor. I walk into that room every morning on Wednesday. I walk into that room every morning. Good morning, pastor. Good morning, pastor. The mayor could pick the phone up and call me at any time. You see, we have to take this out to our community. And it doesn't have to happen here or, or in Brother Ford's life only. It happens in your life. Right? Maybe you belong to a ladies group. Maybe you belong to a knitting group. Maybe you belong to something. Get out there where you can come in contact with people. That you can change this world for the kingdom of God. Find opportunities. If you're not involved in something, get involved. Jesus didn't go into a city and go, everyone just automatically came to him. He'd go to synagogue first. He'd go around to some people that he knew first. And then he began to minister. You see, we need to make a connection in our communities. We need to live out loud. Will you stand with me today? I'm here today to challenge the church of the living God that when you leave here today that you will make a change in the world outside of these walls. And that you'll take it serious that it is your calling. There are people in the Christian faith that fight 
without a call in their life to get into a place here. And I can tell you right now, it's not all about being here. I do most of my ministry work outside of this pulpit. I do my ministry work in my home and in the town and in my workplace. That's where I minister. This is an opportunity for me to to really just edify and lift up and to encourage and, and to teach. So there's no limitations for you. You don't have to be here to be effective. You come here because there's a call on your life. I'm looking across at a group of people today that God has given you a space of time to do with Him what God has called you to purpose. You have to embrace that in your life. And you have to live it out loud. Amen? Will you take that challenge today? Will you go out to your waitress today or, or, or go out to... go out? Some of the greatest saints today have been people that we have... I leave, my, I leave an invite card and a, and a business card, and every time I go out to eat, I leave it inside there. Last night we took that couple to dinner, and they came over to our table, and they knew exactly what we liked because we go there, they know who we are. I don't put my card for that, but they know. But guess what they do? Oh, hi, Pastor. How are you? Right? You don't need a, a card that says Pastor. You just need a small little invite card. I know that you have them here. Put them in your pocket. Hand them out. You know, take it. When you're paying a Dunkin' Donuts, hand it with the money. Make a statement. Make a statement. Don't be afraid to put a uh, a lighthouse bumper sticker on your car. Other people of other other things, they'll put it on their car. They'll put it out there for anyone to see it. You put it out there. Let them know, hey, I'm part of something great. Take the challenge. Amen? Let's raise our hands together. God, I pray for this congregation today. I pray, Lord, that your anointing would fall upon them in a mighty and powerful way. I pray that we will rise to the occasion that you have set before us to change the world that we live in. I ask you right now, Lord, to give them boldness in their faith. Give them anointing in their an opportunity. I pray right now, Lord, that you would open doors before them and that they would invite and bring people into the house of worship. And God, we give you glory for what you're going to do. And we thank you for the growth that Lighthouse will.